0: Today, I have my oldest son, Cody. He is here to share his story. He's going to be dishing the dish. So everyone stay tuned. We're talking to Cody, my 24-year-old, on the series, We Married Rich. Here we go. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willett. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Cody, thank you so much for being here. I know this kind of stuff isn't always easy, but it was actually your genius idea to get you and Skylar here on the podcast. So thank you so much for being here today with me.
1: Anytime, mom. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: It's so fun and Skylar was super reluctant. You know, it's hard to go back and think about all of these different things. Divorce is never easy. New marriages, new families, traveling, visitation, all of those things are really complicated and she decided that she wanted to do it to help other people. What what are your thoughts when it comes to sharing your story? Why why do you want to do this?
1: Well, first off, I wanted to help you out and, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that Everyone got the full side of the story because I was listening to the podcast between you and Allison, and there were just some stuff that I felt third-party looking in could get a little bit more in-depth, more detailed, and also, you know, if there's someone out there that's listening to this podcast that's going through a divorce, that went through the same situation that we did, as a parent, you're, you're probably listening to this, and you don't know what your kid's going through. And I thought that that would, you know, my story, my ideas could maybe help them see what, see what they're coming from.
0: hundred percent. And Skylar had a lot of good things. And of course, everyone's not going to take everything. Clearly you can't from what we're, every family is different, but, Mm -hmm. you know, looking back, I think that Jim and I got engaged. I would say you were probably around eight years old. And I remember when we called you because i had visited jim and i went on vacation and got engaged came back and told you and i remember that was a really huge moment to you like
1: what was that like to be honest with you i don't remember that (laughs) really no i remember my dad and allison's engagement phone call Mm -hmm. but i do not remember yours and jim's at all Well, he was on the phone. That's crazy.
0: Cause it was so huge to Jim and I, because you were, we were in, on Inwood and we actually called Jim and told you while he was on the phone and you like burst out crying. You were so happy. And I remember just thinking, Oh, thank the Lord. Cause you never really know how that's going to go as a parent. Like You could have cried sad or you could have cried happy, but you seemed super excited. You're probably just happy because he worked for a hockey team.
1: Maybe, maybe that was it.
0: (laughs) You never know. It's like, yes, I go to hockey games forever. That's so great. But so there was that. But then that meant, okay, so now we're engaged. Okay, now what? Right. Because that was
1: kind of the hard part with figuring out now what, because when you're 10, 10 years old I believe I was 10 you have this fantasy idea of oh yeah you know my mom just got married but you don't know what I guess the repercussions of that are and ours were we had to move away from our entire family yeah grandmas grandpas aunts uncles cousins cousins. I mean as a nine 10 year old kid starting over is very hard very difficult yeah I think you were in fifth grade Yep, I was starting a new school going to fifth grade in a completely new environment where I knew no one. Mm-hmm. And I remember the Ohio, the state of Ohio and the state of New Jersey didn't communicate, so they didn't know what class to put me in. So they put me in the quote-unquote reject class, which I don't know if you realized it, but that were the class I was in was with all the kids with terrible test scores. Mm-hmm. And that why I think a lot of the started behavioral problems started to happen in fifth grade was because I was in a class with a bunch of kids that they didn't know what to do with.
0: Yeah. So you were used to being in the driven class, so to speak, college bound, even if it was just still an elementary school, It was still quote college bound concept. And then they didn't have all of your information for the right way. And so, yeah, so you were dealing, so Skylar really had mentioned a lot of the difficulty of friends as Mm -hmm. being a problem, but what you're saying is you felt that you were put in a difficult predicament because they didn't know you from a school placement situation.
1: Yeah, so that too, and we were going from a school district where the high school had 1,200 kids and my middle school had 1,500
0: yeah. To the new, the new school had 1500. Yeah. So it was, you're going to a huge environment
1: versus huge a small town. Versus small, and you know, small town. I didn't know anyone. So that was my challenge. I had zero challenge making friends. Mm-hmm. I was instantly popular without a doubt. You remember Jeff guys and Jimmy Kennedy instantly fell into that crowd, having Jim there as my support, being able to invite anyone to a, Hockey game. I mean, I took my entire fifth grade class to a minor league hockey team. Right. I mean, I was instantly one of the most popular kids in school. So I had no issues making friends at all. Mm -hmm. It's just that when you came, when I came home, I didn't have family other than you and Jim.
0: Yeah. And it's funny because... I would see you in my mind's eye would be, okay, he's going to school. He's going to hockey games. He's playing sports after that. He doesn't care. But now that I, I know this is going to sound crazy, but now that I know who you are as a whole person, now that I know you as an adult, I know how much more family means to you than probably Jim and I had ever recognized Mm -hmm. that you're really a very traditional person That really finds that value in Thanksgiving, Christmas, family coming over, spending weekends, as ornery as you can be. Those things really matter to you as a person. And friendships, although important, family to me means more.
1: Absolutely. I will say that like family, like, like I was just snapping because friends, I've made so many friends throughout my life. I stayed in touch with them. But at the end of the day, there's maybe two or three friends through my whole life that I will consider, you know, someone that I would take time out of my day to go see Yeah. versus a holiday. I want to go be with family. And that was very hard. So if you're a family member or a parent listening in and you're going through a divorce right now and you've established those family traditions, whether it be with his family or her family, Make sure that those kids are able to go to those. My dad threw Thanksgiving every year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest with you. I spent two Thanksgivings with you, and I was miserable the whole time. Right. And it wasn't anything to do with you. Right. It wasn't personal. But we had that family tradition of I was going to my dad. We were going to deep fry the turkey. I think I that we. I think it. that
0: we ended up where you went to your dad's every single Thanksgiving. And then we switched off Christmas and New Year's week because your dad just always had his whole family there. So I think we ended up just going and doing every Thanksgiving. You went to your dad's house.
1: Yeah, I think that was after the mashed potatoes
0: incident. Oh, God, the 10 pounds of mashed potatoes that I ruined with vanilla almond milk. Do not make mashed potatoes with vanilla almond milk. It will not go well. It will turn into vanilla gum. And you'll have to throw it in the garbage now that and that's funny, though, because Jim's whole family, well, the the Buckleys were coming in. So we were going to have family there, but it was such a debacle
1: regardless. But But, at the same time, and I love the Buckleys. Oh, of course. That wasn't my tradition. That wasn't your tradition. So for people listening, don't try. You know, I love my stepfather's family, but. Thanksgiving was my dad holiday. Yeah. So not being there, even if you would have served me filet mignon on top of caviar at the W hotel in downtown Philadelphia, I would have resented it.
0: You still would have missed. Yes. Yeah. So that's a really good question. So each kid's going to be different. Mm -hmm. So how do you sit down with your kid and say, what's important to you because Skylar might have been like I don't care I mean she does but she might have been like I don't care Christmas New Year's uh, uh." how do we incorporate as parents recognizing that I want to spend my time with you on holidays or can we do we have to succumb to the kids needs and wants even if it's I want to spend every Christmas with my dad
1: that's hard That's hard. I mean, it's very, I would say from your aspect, it would be hard on you, the mom that was in charge of us. But at the same time, when I was growing up, I wanted to be with my family. You were my family, but with my grandma, my grandma. No,
0: there wasn't the chaos, the, the extended chaos family. None
1: of that, but also, too, you got to realize with us living in New Jersey, we were with you 355 days of the year. So I think people need to get out of their head. Yes, holidays are important, but the kid not that the kids should have all the say, but there were certain times where I just wanted to be with family because that was the time my dad had off. Yeah.
0: No, I when you're talking about this, it's making a lot of sense to me. Like you're with me the Monday through Friday. Now this is for kids who live far away from their parents. Mm -hmm. So this is not the back and forth visitation this no. is this is you're visiting your dad truly for a week at a time and then going back with your mom in a very distant relationship so yeah. we don't you know that's not very many people's situations but it's some without a doubt mm-hmm. but as i'm listening to you it almost would have made sense
1: <laughs> every holiday i was at my dad
0: or yes and maybe jim and Emerson or Brock and myself would have also traveled with you to Ohio, even if it was for three days and worked the, the, if I wanted to spend those holidays with you to go to Ohio, if that's at all possible, I'm just thinking there are ways to do this in a long distance situation.
1: But there's also other things to incorporate too, because I remember new year's Eve My dad and Allison had a tradition every year. We stayed Mm -hmm. up till midnight. We popped the fake champagne per se. So it's finding what the tradition that the child has and wanting them to know. Because I think it would be hard from your aspect if I was like, mom, I want to spend every holiday with my dad. And you were like, no, you can't do that. And Easter, I didn't really care too much for Easter. Well, maybe that's
0: that's what you do. You find the... Which holidays do you not care about spending with your dad?
1: Mm-hmm. But then you have to bite the bullet at the sentimental ones of the Christmases, the, Han- the first day of Hanukkah, the New Year's, the Thanksgiving. You know, like those would have been the ones I would have liked to spend with extended family with. Mm-hmm. But also, I think if we're going to bring it back to helping other people, listen to the kids. Make a fake Christmas if you have to. Christmas is not a day per se, Mm -hmm. being with who you want to be with. And obviously the presence clearly.
0: Clearly. So wait, so, so what you're saying is, is you're already in school, let's say the week before Christmas. Yeah. So how about we celebrate in New Jersey with Cody the week before? Cause he's already in school and he's not going in and then he can go home and have the hoopla in his hometown with all of his friends and extended family. That makes sense.
1: And, also, too, I think that if you're going to be the bigger person in the relationship and you're going to fight with your ex over holidays, I think you might need to take a step back and say, we're going to celebrate Christmas this day. Let dad have Christmas. Let yeah. mom have Christmas. Because these are going to be the biggest fight in relationship for between divorced people, I think, other than the money, whatever, because you're going to be so focused on December 25th. That you're going to say something or ruin a relationship or do something that you're going to make your kid make Christmas miserable.
0: So, the idea of having your kid on Christmas should be like 20th on the list compared to your kid's happiness.
1: Yes. And number one is clearly getting them the new present that they want. Well, clearly, 100%. Because <laughs> you're such a turd.
0: There were a lot of good things about having two sets of families. Oh, yes, absolutely. When it came to Christmas, Christmas
1: though. Two two birthday gifts. I mean, I was able to, you know, a a traditional family, I would always hear of a kid getting, and this is me coming from a very privileged aspect. Both my parents had very well-paying jobs and were able to get me whatever I wanted. But my friends would only get one of the things they wanted. And I was able to get anything I wanted per se. Mm-hmm. Um, I I actually liked having divorce. Being in a divorced relationship worked out very well.
0: Fin- well, financially.
1: Financially, yes. Because like I said, my parents, both of them, my stepdad and my dad make good money that they were able to support us and do whatever we wanted.
0: So let's come back to the not so fun things, which... Mm-hmm were you burning the house down basically every time you would go on visitation because you are a walking, crusty, squishy marshmallow of a human that is very sentimental, whether anyone knows that or not. And Mm -hmm. it was very difficult for you to leave Jim Emerson, Brock and I. And then it was then on the other side of it, it was difficult to leave your dad and his family, Allison and the kids to come back. And so you know, that was very hard on you. And sometimes you would tend to pick fights the day before because of the fact that you knew that you'd have to say goodbye. So it's easier to fight when you say goodbye than it is to be loving when you say goodbye.
1: Yeah. And we've been watching that for
0: a decade. I mean, we've been seeing you that way for, since you were nine years old, you've been doing the same thing.
1: Absolutely. And I will say the one thing that was very hard was the continuity, what it was very very easy to pick buttons, especially at your house, because if I'm going to be honest with you, when I was with dad and Allison, it was very easy to be there. Didn't really have much. I mean, I did have a bedtime, but it was, we would watch a movie and oh, okay. We went to bed after the movie ended versus when I lived with you, I had to go to bed at eight thirty every night. And that was miserable. Right. You were very, very strict. And I don't think, I don't know if you remember it, but it pushed a huge wedge between us because I would be at your place and it would almost feel like I was, I was suffocating. Right. Cause you were always there. You were always able to be in my face. You were always <laughs> able to be. literally, I would come home, Cody, do the dishes. Mom, I want to go out and play football with my friend. Not until the dishes are done. Yeah. And I would come home when I was with Allison, and she would never home. Right. So I was able to come home, relax, didn't have anyone in my face. So, I think it was very big on there wasn't much consistency, you know, like
0: Well, I mean, it's it we're two were different, different, different households. I mean, very, yeah. very different household. She has worked, she's a she's a working mom mm-hmm. and always has been. I've primarily always been a stay-at-home mom, even though I work from home more or less, but yep. yeah, I mean, we had much more structure also being a single mom and finishing my degree while I was a single mom, I had to have you guys in bed at 8, 8.30 because that's when I started writing my papers, you know, to graduate. That's when I had to study was in the evenings because I didn't want to be studying while you guys were awake. So I did have a much more structure. Also, you're the firstborn and it just sucks to be the firstborn. That's just all there is to it because like literally Brock and Emerson go to bed at like 9.30.
1: So I I remember being in sixth or seventh grade. And my friends were outside playing basketball at like 8.35, 8.30 or 8.45 at night. And dad was in town and we were just outside playing basketball. And you and Jim were like yelling at me to come in. And dad was like, hey, he's outside playing with his friend. And you and Jim were like, he has to come in right now. It's past his bedtime. And for me in that moment, I think that was pretty much my deciding factor to move back to Avon Lake.
0: Wait was, for your freshman year of high school.
1: Yep. Because it was, am I going to deal with this for four years of high school? Right. Because I I couldn't,
0: to be honest with
1: you. I couldn't deal with, Cody, you have to be home in bed at nine o'clock as a ninth grade freshman in high school.
0: Well, I don't think that necessarily would have happened. But I mean, let's focus on keeping what we're talking about, about divorce versus my horrible parenting.
1: No, it's not that. (laughs) It's just to kind of bring it back to people is... If you're going, because I see it a lot in my buddy, him and his uh, guy I work with, him and his wife are going through divorce and his ex-wife is very strict. You know, I see it a lot with my other friend. Their moms are very strict and the dads are very easy to be with. And so you get that resentment a lot of times, not all the time, but in a good divorce, i.e. meaning no abuse, none of that. Where the kids are able to freely go between mom and dad with no court order. A lot of the time the kids, if the dad's a good dad, like being with the dad. Or the more lenient parent, what you're saying. More lenient parent with So let me ask
0: you this staying on the focus is had your dad and I both had the exact same structure of all right what's going to be his bedtime all right you're going to say nine o'clock okay I'm going to say nine o'clock too it levels the playing field for the child
1: it could but it could also drive them into even more resentment to both of their parents especially to the one that had started the rules Mm -hmm. meaning if I would have gone to my dad's and all of a sudden we have to now go to bed at 8:30 i would have been Livid. over the moon furious at you yeah and dad you know the other parent would have been well i have my hand tied yeah so then you're creating a it's criminal. interesting
0: though what we're talking about here and is because you do see that that's one parent is sure you can do this sure you can do that oh i But then it makes the other parent look like a, quote, bad guy, Mm -hmm. which isn't fair because I wasn't being a bad mom. But comparatively speaking, a kid's going to want to go the easier route. So it's, you know, the path of least resistance. Not that your dad and Allison were at all lenient because they actually weren't. No, it was just very different rules. So that's interesting because I'd never really thought about it in that way before.
1: Yeah, no. And like. Like you said, if you're going to make the same rules, don't go back. Meaning, okay, if you have a relationship with your ex-husband and you know that the kids are going to bed at nine o'clock with them and they're going to bed at eight o'clock with you, maybe push it to nine. Yeah. But don't ask the other parent to bring it back.
0: Yeah. Or, yeah, I mean, or just come to like a nice, easy agreement of... Whatever makes the most sense for everybody. I di- I just. I guess I never thought about the fact that
1: that would cause. I mean, I remember I used to love going to my dad's every yeah. Wednesday because I was able to stay up past eight thirty every it's Wednesday.
0: So weird. What's folk like? What your focus is as a kid?
1: Yeah, it's very weird. I remember like loving being able, like looking forward to Wednesdays because I wasn't having to be in bed when it was light out. Yeah. Hearing people playing outside because that can really mess someone up as far as why are all these other kids still playing and I'm in bed? Yeah. Did I do something wrong?
0: Yeah. Very interesting. So I like the idea of continuity between Mm -hmm. both households. So that there isn't that desire to move away from, because you moved. So you, we had background on it. Yeah. So we had. I I was a single mom with the, you know, you and Skylar for years, and then Jim and I got married, and then you lived with us fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, and then in ninth Mm -hmm. grade you moved back to Ohio with your dad, which, to be honest with you. You said when we moved to New Jersey that you wanted to go to high school in Ohio. Mm-hmm. So, from the get go, you had already sort of had a plan to go to the high school that you graduated from, which is also the high school that I graduated from, Skylar graduated from, Allison graduated from. So, you know, there's a lot of family tradition at that high school outside of my very horrific parenting skills. No. <laughs>
1: Was I a- do also think that it ended up playing out very good in the long yeah. run, because if we're going to give some context, so I went to school, Avon Lake High School, for 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, and in those four years, I stayed at one school, and during the same time frame that my sister was living with you, you had moved to three different school districts. Let's see, by the time is- that you graduated, I,
0: see- I think it would have just been two.
1: Well, she had gone from Mount Laurel to To Haddonfield, Haddonfield, Haddonfield to Avon Lake.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so I would, I think you would have graduated
0: by then though, but
1: I would, so I would have started high school at Mount Laurel high school. And then I would have transferred to Lenape high school. Yeah. And then I would have transferred to Avon Lake high school. Yeah. So I would have gone to three different high schools in four years. Had I stayed with you. Correct. So hindsight is twenty
0: twenty. It was an excellent move. Yeah. No. Based on just that alone. Yeah, just on that alone. But I'll be honest with you. I never. I was never against it. Like I always looked at that as being a positive Mm -hmm. of you living with your dad, and especially Mm -hmm. being a boy. I thought that was always a great thing. I. I am. I always been under the idea of if you can have a relationship with either parent you know, unless like you said, it's abusive or there's addiction in the family. I think that children have every right. And I tell this to moms all the time to be perfectly honest with you. Children have every right to be
1: with their fathers. Absolutely. And that's what I'm seeing a lot with the coworker right now. Well, let's not talk about specifics. Not specific, but you know, whatever is that I tell him or, you know, you have every right to be with your kid. You know, every single person barring whatever but you have the equal right to be with your kid and you should make a darn near effort to try your best because when your kid's graduating or when they're growing up they're going to remember that when they have their own kid they're going but you to do remember see that.
0: you do see the the one parent pushes the other parent away and then the other parent gives up and yes. I think that that giving up, they don't, they want to stop fighting. They want to stop the financial bleeding, you know, of paying for lawyers and whatnot. But the, the, in my opinion, the, the sad part of that is the message that that sends the child.
1: The one thing I can say, especially in nowadays, is if you're going through a divorce in 2021, your biggest asset is to turn your flipping phone off. Hey, have the kids at my house at eight o'clock. And don't respond to anything else.
0: Well, I mean, usually there's time limits on visitation schedules
1: anyways. Meaning you don't respond to anything else. You don't say this. You don't say that. And if they don't have it there, then your biggest asset is to be the not even the mature one, but take steps to be in charge. Take steps to silence the chaos. Yes.
0: But like in your dad and I situation, he might have been like, hey. I'm, I'm running 20 minutes late. I'll be there in 20 minutes. And I was like, okay, so what you're talking about is a tumultuous, crazy yeah. separation where the people cannot talk to each other. And it's constant chaos is just yeah. shut it down. Well, there are apps actually out there for parents mm-hmm. to talk so that everything is monitored. Everything is itemized of what's been yeah. said because you. some people just can't talk to each other. So, but yeah, I think that it's super but that important. Stems
1: from not being able to stop because the texting. It, you mean they the can't stop? To, yeah, and the constant having to 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 get that next that next response into them, and and then all of a sudden you dig the hole with someone that you used to love, you created life with, right. you brought together a life that you used to have, and now you are on a court monitor texting app with an individual that you sure paid money Right. Yeah, you know, and so. I see it a lot, especially in relationship that didn't go to marriage is getting that last word in. don't do that. You know, if you're going to be there for your kid, try and foster a good relationship. And if it can't happen, I'm not saying be the bigger man, be the bigger woman. But today, in so many instances, just shut the phone off, turn the laptop off. And I see that a lot of people don't do that. And they it messes with their psyche.
0: Because they have to keep, keep pushing. Yeah, you, know, you have to keep pushing.
1: They keep pushing the envelope. Step away. Realize yeah. that if something's not in front of you, it can't be fixed a lot of the time.
0: Well, and not to talk about specifics, please. But also, you know, we see too is exes smearing their partner, their ex-partner, the, the parent of their child all over social media. Mm-hmm. And that you know, that there's consequences. And to that, thank God I had no social media, not that your dad and I would have ever had a situation, but smearing a child's parent on social media and putting your business out there. I can't, I can't, there's no words to express how damaging that is.
1: Uh, Especially considering the fact that your children are going to see that one day.
0: Because someone's going to screenshot it and say, see what an idiot your parent was. See, I told you that or she was bad or he get was bad. Facebook,
1: they're going to get Twitter. They're going to get Instagram. They're going to see it. And then, well, I mean, even if it's deleted, someone can screenshot
0: that. So, like, it can still show up and be shown.
1: But at the same time, if you're making these comments, what are the odds you actually delete it? True. You know, so stay off social media. If you're going to, if the only person that you are going to bad mouth is yourself no mm-hmm. matter what you say about the other person that makes you look like the class clown because like I said let's tie it back you married the person you had kids with that person you lived with that person generally speaking and whatever but you tried to make a life with that person and now you're going to tell everybody on social media what an idiot what a clown what a bad guy that is isn't that a reflection on your poor judgment your poor skills of picking a partner picking an individual to at least procreate with.
0: Well, let me ask you this, because you, you've seen it. You've never lived it, but you've seen it. And then you have our experience. How much do you think your life would have been different if you would have been raised in a household with that chaos? Clearly, you don't know. But from what you see, how do you think that would have affected you mentally, emotionally, sp- physically, spiritually, grades, et cetera?
1: You know, mom, I I don't want to touch on that only because from ignorance, I can't say because I will say my divorce life was excellent. I tell it to friends and family and other people. And what we have is unreal. It doesn't exist, really. We have a unicorn. So I don't want to. Why do you think that is? I think it was because everyone involved was very mature. As far as what caused or led up to the relationship ending between you and my father, I don't recall anything ever being terribly terrible. So I think it was that. And then the fact that I think, to be honest with you, I think my dad really took the divorce as a man. You know, he could have been very petty, but I think that my dad was very mature in it. As far as it goes with, you know, he probably fought for like, you know, there's probably stuff I didn't see. And by fighting, I mean, like, fight for his kids and all that. But as far as it goes is that I think that in the beginning, my dad just kind of was like, okay, this is the new normal.
0: Yeah, he was very supportive of me.
1: And that, and then also.
0: Of us as a family, no matter what that family looked like.
1: But I also, too, believe that he worked 80 hours a week, so he didn't have a choice. Yeah. So it wasn't like he was like, well, I'm home by five o'clock. I can pick them up from school. I want them. Correct. He knew he couldn't. Correct. So by default, he couldn't fight, meaning that my dad didn't not fight for us because he didn't want us, meaning my dad knew that he was working 80 hours a week and it would have been pointless at, for him to say, well, I want to pick them up monday and thursday and friday one week blah 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 you connect with because he would have failed every time
0: yeah so he set himself up so set himself up for success we set up the plan for success in my opinion mm -hmm. and also the other thing is that financially for our divorce there was no I I never did the I need $5 for copays. I need 5 cents for shoes. Whatever mm-hmm. I got in our uh, financial arrangement was all that I all that I expected and all that I needed. It was all the finances were very very cut and dry. They were very clean. So it wasn't the tell your dad I need $20 for school supplies. Tell your dad I need $10 for gym shoes. Everything was predetermined. So it also kept us from being every five minutes on the phone asking for money because that is really aggravating too. So if I, you know, if if anyone's listening, whatever you get for child support, make sure it covers everything so that you're not making that weekly phone call asking for co-pays, deductibles, prescription 50% of prescriptions and all this and the other, because that causes a lot more conversations that are aggravating. Mm -hmm. And now I need receipts and what is this for? And it just, it it creates way more conversations than anyone wants to, or needs to have with an
1: ex. Exactly that too. And I would guess too, like, I don't know where you came from, but after a year of divorce and all the stuff, revisit it you know, yeah. in, a, maybe in a court setting or whatever, because a year into a divorce, you finally have a little bit more idea of the finances of involved right. versus at the beginning, you're like, well, I need this much. And then you're like, oh, well, I totally forgot how much medication costs. Right. I was thinking of food, water, clothes, shelter, because I'm trying to get divorced, moved due to that. So when you get divorced and you're thinking of finances and everything, think of everything what it costs, Think of everything, but also at the same time, make sure you're not bleeding your ex-partner to death.
0: Right. Well, most of it, most of it is, is very cut and dry from the state. There's not much you can do about it, but I just remember thinking, I don't want to have to sit here and badger or bother or communicate any more than I actually have to. And that was in a good scenario because Mm -hmm. I knew that every time I picked up that phone, you know, or would have picked up that phone to contact you know, my ex to say, I need, you know, 10, 20, 30, a hundred, $200. That's one more. Cause I don't want people spending my money. And so I'm sure he didn't want me spending his. So it was just one less conversation, yeah, one less I, tumultuous com- conversation.
1: And I will say on top of that, to kind of back my dad up a little bit into this, it wouldn't have been negative per se. No, not at all. I, meaning, let's not throw not we're not throwing my dad under the bus no i'm not expect. saying about
0: him at all but yeah another no. aspect
1: of you don't want to i.e we're talking about other people you don't want to bow for your ex for money for money for money for money Correct. because your ex-husband might be jeff bezos right yeah he just got divorced from you and you got you got divorced from him they're the reason
0: yeah no hundred percent i'm you not wanna... saying anything about your dad as a human yeah. as as rich what I'm saying it is in general, someone doesn't want a phone call every other day, every week asking for more money. Mm-hmm. It's just one. It's just, it doesn't matter who it is. It's one no. more conversation about that is irritating. But right. Not it's about just about
1: your kid welfare. Like, exactly. Not about, you know, not about, you know, too much. So, yeah, I will say that the finances. But I mean, I never went without growing up. I no. always had a new pair of shoes every year. My grandparents took me shoe shopping. They got me shoes every year. And, you know, I also will say that if you're in a divorce setting, setting goals between the two parents really helped me, especially in school. What do you mean? So, you know, my dad always had a thing is if I got straight A's, he'd give me $100. Mm -hmm. So every semester I was always striving to get straight A's. Having, you know, even if it is bribing the kids for stuff that will make them improve. Well, it's like a
0: paycheck. You're getting it's a paycheck like a for paycheck. the grades almost. Yeah, but I mean, not many people can for- do $100 for no. their kids, but you could do $10. You could do $15. If, yeah,
1: but make you know- it worthwhile. You know? Yeah. Like, you know, if you're in a financial setting where $50 is a lot, then yeah, 25 is great. But make it seem like, oh, my kid just worked out and got straight A's. $5 isn't really going to motivate a lot of kids, you know? Right. Make it so that also, you know, if you have to buy them new sporting stuff, hey, if you make the team, we'll get you new stuff or whatever. Like, not everything has to be financially pushing or motivating, but I do think that if you're in a divorce, it's not buying your kids' love, I would say, but giving them stuff to push toward. Hey, your dad, you know, said if you make the team, he'll be able to help you out with a new pair of cleats. Mm-hmm. So it makes you want to train and get better and all that. And obviously, if you can't afford that, then then yeah, you can't. But if you can,
0: well, nowadays this stuff costs so much darn money. It's that's holy the Sports are not what they used to be. When I put you in baseball, that's <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> a different thing. But so yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying. Goal setting, working together as a parent with goal setting. I love I, so
1: then that aspect to bring it back to that is I had my dad to lean on. As if I got three days, I would get a new a hundred dollars and I, I would always buy a new shoes. And on your end, you were always there to help me with my homework, answer questions. You were able to push me on, you know, you were there in that in my life as staying up to date with the t shirt And that's a big, huge aspect that I think parents, especially divorced parents when they're going through it and their children is make sure your kids are staying up to date in school. Be interested in their teachers, because it's very easy for a kid of divorce to get left behind in the school system because their thought is, is, well, my parents don't love each other, they don't love me, and then they get depressed at school, and then the school system has 18 billion kids in it, and that kid is now failing the sixth grade because... No one followed up with Mrs. whatever. So have a plan
0: as far as academics, of which Absolutely. parent is handling academics so that it's not like, well, well, the dad has it, the mom has it. And I have seen that as well, where the dad doesn't do any of the homework for the kids. Mm-hmm. And then the mom gets the late notice and the book bag on mom's night with the kids. And they're like, why didn't you do the homework? That is actually very, very difficult mm-hmm. with parents where the kid goes to the parent the opposite parent's house, just as many days of the week, yada. And no that sense. is really, really tough when one parent doesn't find the value or doesn't find the time or the energy to do the homework. And then it's playtime at one parent's house, and then the other parent is yeah. trying to pick up the pieces on the opposite. That causes a lot of problems actually in divorced families.
1: And then what you're doing is is Don't make it one person's effort, but it is going to be one person. Try and, you know, if you're the mom and it's your effort to stay up to date with school, make sure the dad is involved as to who the student is, who the teacher is, what grade, you know, obviously what grade they're in. Hopefully the dad knows that. But, you know, trying to make a real effort to get that dad at PTA parent shirt conference well each person has to worry
0: about themselves when you're divorced my butt's not making sure that my husband's ex-husband's at anything he has all the paperwork true you know what i mean like you can't babysit an ex-spouse
1: but keeping them in the loop saying hey this is when pta is well i mean you sign them
0: up and make sure that they have all of the sign up information so that they can be on the email lists and whatnot yeah, I mean, okay. 100%. But yeah, no no parent wants to babysit another parent because it's it's too much. That goes back to the money. But yeah, yeah. making sure that the if, if there's a sign-up sheet and you're the signer-upperer, you text and say, hey, you want to be on the PTO email list? Mm-hmm. Here's the parent-teacher conference list, blah, blah, blah. I'm the one filling out the paperwork and yeah. not to block
1: the other parent from the information. Especially if you are you know, for the mom picking the kid up from school and you notice stuff, like you don't have to babysit another kid. But if, you know, the other person is never able to pick them up from school because they do work till five. Don't
0: withhold information.
1: Don't withhold information because that's going to be a big thing into a child's life of, hey, dad, why didn't you sign up for field day? Well, your mom never told me about it.
0: Right, 100%.
1: Technically, dad could figure it out on himself. But really speaking, if you're not dropping the kids off at school every day, or, you know, most days, let's get it at most days. If your ex is dropping the kids off one day a week, that does not count. I don't think and picking them up one day a week because if the information isn't relayed, but you don't have to babysit, but Hey, the kids baseball game, like let them know the information. Cause the last thing you want as a divorced person with your ex is your ex having emo, so to speak, and saying, I wasn't there because I didn't know. Right. No, I that think,
0: was, I think the, that, I think, the mor- kid. I think the moral of the story is just, and, and but again, it's hard because you, you don't want them to be at field day. You hate them. You know, it goes back to that whole energy and, and animosity,
1: but Your husband, your ex-husband, your ex-wife has the same amount of being there as you do for any of those events. Yeah,
0: I think that that's, you know, the the focus here is really trying to understand that the big picture is well-adjusted children who become adults.
1: Exactly. Well-adjusted. You know, I think, too, is if they're at those events and they're there. And maybe they're not always in the picture. The kid will remember that. As yeah. Very special because, oh, my dad was at field day. That was awesome. Well, yeah, maybe you saw your dad 10 days a year. But that one day he was at field day made up for the 350 other days. that he just wasn't able to be there.
0: Well, unfortunately, sometimes the the other parent doesn't want that specialness because they want to stick it to the other parent. But what they don't understand is what we're doing is, again, we're raising well-adjusted children and that needs to be the goal, not sticking it to the X, but uh well-adjusted children, well-adjusted adults that you're raising that can support themselves because their brains are intact because they're not the go between the ping pong ball between the two parents. But, you know, we have to wrap it up because. We've been chatting for a long time and, you know, this has been good. We've knocked out everything from unequal households and unequal rules to really defaulting to the kids as far as holidays. If you live far away from your ex and your children are on airplanes
1: getting to go to visitation. But I do think too, if you are close, following the traditions you set up.
0: Yeah, still. And and that's so easy to do when you, when I think when you live close by, because you can figure those things out, but really start talking to your kids about what works for them and what feeds their soul, because this isn't about me, you know, like it just isn't. And so I hope that people can take what we talked about here, throw away what doesn't work for you and your family and incorporate some of the things that do work for your family. Obviously what worked for our family doesn't work for everybody's, but Hey, we're, we're just giving you a glimpse into one blended family. And what my son's experience was in that family. And so I appreciate you coming and talking to me today and sharing, you know, what you've seen as far as being a grown 24-year-old man and going through all of this.
1: Absolutely. And I appreciate you having me on, Mom. Let's stay in touch. (laughs) Okay. I don't know how those, we, some of those podcasts. They say, let, let's keep in touch, let's man. Let's stay in touch. It's, it's pretty cool. I, I like having you on the interview. <laughs> well, what does Howard always say?
0: <laughs> Howard Stern always says, We learned a lot today. What did we yeah. learn? <laughs> he always says it like 600 times as his yeah. guest is leaving. We've learned a lot today. And we have, Cody. We've learned a lot today. Yeah. We've learned that I'm a bad mom who put you to bed no. way too early and that I should have never spent one holiday with you. But I'm not salty or anything. It's going to cost you a fortune for Mother's Day this year, but it'll be fine. But yeah, I love you. And I will have you on again to share more of your wisdom. But thank you so much for being here. And thanks so much for listening, everybody. And we will see you next week. Same time, same sandbox. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to MeredithWillis.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind the scenes footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers.